Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. On this podcast, we're going to talk about some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place and provide inspiration for others. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires everyone. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet here. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome back to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and today I'm speaking with April Jones-Boyle, founder and executive director of the Build Institute. April was a founding team member of DeHive, where she was director of small business initiatives and helped launch the Build program. She's also the co-creator of a number of small-scale ventures, including the award-winning Family Hootenanny Kids Concert Series and CD, the critically acclaimed Indonesian pop-up restaurant Komodo Kitchen, and the all-mom rock band The My Dolls, featured on the cable television series Gene Simmons' Family Jewels. She sits on the board of Kiva Detroit and the advisory board for Pony Ride. She is also co-owner and investor in Gold Cash Gold, building and restaurant in Corktown. April is married to Model D co-founder Brian Boyle and is the mother of three amazing boys. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast, April. Thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. You know, reading your bio, it's like, okay, she basically redefined and reinvigorated Detroit. So way to go, girl. That's awesome. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. And I would not take credit for that. It is such <laughs> um, an amazing city, as you know, with so many talented people. Yes. Um, and I'm just one tiny piece of it. And um and yet, and thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to help amplify some of those stories, for well, sure. Well, that's, that, that's the thing is that, you know, I see you and hear about you everywhere I turn. And what I love to see so much is your passion for Detroit, which I have as well, um, and for really um, making it a city. I mean, I've always been proud to be a Detroiter, but but bringing out what is so wonderful about the city. You know, I know that you said in your um, pre-recording uh, interview that Detroit is a microcosm of what's coming from many urban areas. So, you know, co- sort of moving away from the big box retail or, um, you know, or the manufacturings being n- not so dependent on one industry anymore, but instead investing in the uh, human capital and really making this a place where we're living and working and interacting and connecting. So, I would love to hear a little bit first about um, where did your passion start with, you know, investing so much energy and vision in Detroit? Um, what inspired you to get into this work in the first place? Yeah, so I'm a I'm a born and raised lifelong Detroiter. Uh-huh. Um, I was born uh, to a young mother who was married to a Vietnam vet. Uh, raised in Southwest Detroit, uh-huh. and I'm going to be 46 this summer. So, Woo-hoo, 40s, yay! Woo-hoo, yeah. <laughs> so I have seen the decline uh-huh. in in Detroit over the last 50 years, meaning the disinvestment, um, the uh, neighborhoods kind of falling apart because of um, so many reasons: sure. bad policies, um, you know, corruption in government, uh, white flight. Uh-huh. Um, and so um, I just have always been uh, Detroit as a special place in my heart because I was born and raised there. My family has a long history. Uh-huh. Um, we own property there. Um, I raised my boys there for the first 10 years of their life uh-huh. and just really see um, 
so many talented people who, um, you know, we believe that talent is universal, but opportunity is not. And because of so many um, reasons, but especially I would say, um, you know, the fact that Detroit is a majority people of color community Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, there just hasn't been the investment in those communities that um, that we need to see to have a thriving, healthy, walkable, um, economically vibrant um, neighborhood. And so um, witnessing that decline over my lifetime and mm-hmm. just really seeing so many talented people with great ideas, but without the resources to take those ideas to action, it right. was really important to me that um, they have a place to go to learn how to start businesses. and. Yeah. Uh, to test ideas and to build wealth and ownership in their own neighborhoods and create jobs and redevelop commercial corridors and, um, yeah, make Detroit a vibrant place to live for everyone. You know, you're so right, because having opportunity comes from confidence and belief that you can pull something off, that you can do it. And, you know, as an entrepreneur myself, I've worked for myself for 20 years. I am, you know, the daughter of entrepreneurs. And um, when I think about it from a logistical and, um, I guess from a practical standpoint, and I look at um, the idea of building a business, the the odds are stacked against you. But it never occurred to me to think that way because I grew up in an environment where um, we were encouraged to take chances. And, and my parents said to me, you know, go for it. You can do this. You know, something can, can grow from this um, because they did it and they had lived it. And so if you don't have that support, you never take the chance. Um, and, and I think half of success is believing that you can succeed. So it's so important to have that support network to really build you up. Don't you agree? Oh, I so agree. And you've hit on so many amazing <laughs> points. You know, the confidence part of it, yeah. um, especially uh, being a woman. And you're, you're so fortunate that you've had some entrepreneurs in your family that you were able to, to see be successful and to encourage you. And so many folks do not have that. Right. And so we are trying to be that friends and family network for them, Uh um, to encourage them to try. Um, you know, you'll, you'll never regret trying. You may always regret not trying. Exactly. Um, and so how can we create a support network and some infrastructure and programs around people so that they can try that, in a low risk way, although, sure. you know, it's never no risk because, right. you know, there are always trade-offs and uh, starting a business, as you said, is not easy and it's not no. for the faint of heart. Right. And so yet, um, you know, our more affluent entrepreneurs get to try things and then they have a safety net around them or they have family who can step in and help. Sure. So we want to try to do that for people who are underestimated entrepreneurs. So people of color, women, low to moderate income folks sure. um, who have great ideas and have great talent. They just, as you say, didn't have entrepreneurs in their family to learn from, um, don't have the the financial backing to get started, um, but but could be successful if they had those things. Sure. So tell our listeners what the Build Institute is all about and what you do for people. Yeah. So we're an idea activator and a small business incubator. Uh-huh. Um, we started as part of DeHive back in 2012. Uh-huh. We have graduated over 1,700 people through our various um, classes and programs. Wow. The that's amazing. That's amazing. It is. Oh my gosh. It's tons of people. In the beginning, I knew every single participant and graduate. Now it's impossible to keep track of them all. That's fantastic. Um, it's a great po- problem to have. 
Yeah, we're so proud of them and, and so many success stories. So over 500 companies have started um, over, we'd say, about 1,500 jobs okay. um, created. Uh-huh. Um, we think entrepreneurship can be a pathway out of poverty. Oh, wow. Um, it can, you know, but here's the thing. We honor people's um you know, what they decide success looks like for them. Sure. And we're trying to um, help support um, different pathways. So not everyone is going to take the traditional pathway of entrepreneurship. Some people only want to work part-time on sure. their business. Sure. Some people only want to have a one-person business. Right. We think that's perfectly legitimate yeah. and perfectly um, acceptable, and we still want to support you. Because sure. someday you may want to grow to two or three more people. Sure, sure. So um, you were talking a little bit about, you know, um, in your in your notes about having a sense of place and community in order to attract and retain talent. Um, how do you explain that in Detroit? You know, what that sense of place, that sense of uh, being rooted here, you know, what what is that like for people? Yeah, well, I think, you know, back in the in the Deehive days, um, the 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 state's economic development strategy and even Detroit, it was like, oh, in many other cities across the country, we're going to be the next Silicon Valley. We're all going to do tech. Right, right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, first of all, let's look at the demographics of of tech. It's mostly white males. Uh Let's look at the demographics of the city of Detroit. It is not that. (laughs) Yeah. And then also, even if we had those tech companies, how are we going to attract the best and the brightest talent to want to live here if we don't have vibrant commercial corridors, sure. if we don't have independent small businesses that um, really represent the culture and uniqueness of our place. Uh-huh. And the only way we're going to have that is if we tap into our local talent okay. and really invest in them and help them develop their business ideas and create just exactly that, a sense of place, a vibrant commercial corridor um, where there are unique shops and and um, cafes and art galleries and boutiques and all those types of things that make people want to live in a place. Sure. Yeah. It's the it's the energy. It's the opportunity. Um, you know, I remember when there wasn't a grocery store to be found in within the city limits um, or at least one that had edible food. And so that was right. a huge problem that needed correcting. And, you know, just the basic things that people need to um, to make a good life. You know, you shouldn't have to drive to the suburbs to buy your produce. It's just it's exactly. ridiculous, you know. Um, which of course now people are driving from the suburbs to come into the city and and be here, Absolutely. just really be here. It's so great. It's so great. Um, so, what do you see on the horizon for our beautiful city here? You know, what what do you what trends are you spotting with the people that you're working with, types of businesses, or, or do you have a kind of a forecast? Yeah, so it's a really exciting time in Detroit right now. Um, I feel like there's a lot of momentum and, and excitement around the development that's happening downtown. And, and some of that is trickling out into the neighborhoods, but then there are neighborhood specific initiatives that uh-huh. are really helping to invest in developments in the neighborhoods in uh-huh. talent in the neighborhoods. Sure. Um, and for us specifically at build Institute, we are getting ready to move into a new headquarters Ooh. in Corktown okay. at the old tiger stadium site, Michigan oh, and Trumbull. Amazing. Yeah, so hopefully sometime this summer, fingers crossed, 
Um, and we're creating an inclusive innovation hub, which will be a home base for our entrepreneurs to be able to um, take classes, get trainings, um, test out new ideas and concepts. There will be um, a classroom, a conference room, some co-working space, and then even a pop-up retail space that will have host entrepreneurs for a couple months at a time to test their brick-and-mortar retail potential. Okay. Um, and so that is super exciting for us. We signed the lease about 10 days before Ford made their announcement that they bought the train station. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And so we're going to be in the middle of they're creating a mobility corridor that's going to connect Detroit and Corktown with Dearborn and then further on down to Ann Arbor. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be experimenting with smart city technology and what's next with mobility. And so how can we be sort of a middleman or a connector for our entrepreneurs who typically wouldn't have access to those opportunities um, to look at mobility and technology as um, as a possibility uh, for a career for themselves. So we're but super excited to see what that what happens with that. Um, and then also, I think as um, like Corktown and many other neighborhoods, as those commercial corridors are developing and bigger businesses are moving in, they need these independent small businesses to move into um, into the storefronts and then to provide the goods and services for the employees. Yeah. You mentioned a really good point. Um, I think one of Detroit's biggest barriers over the last, I don't know how many decades, has been transportation um, because that is one of the um, – access points for people of different economic means. You know, transportation is a huge obstacle to success. And in so many urban areas, there is public transportation that is, you know, widely accessible, goes to a lot of destinations. But having been the Motor City for so long, um, it was the emphasis was, was always cars. And if you didn't have a car, you didn't have an opportunity. So um, that's, a, that's a huge barrier. Are you seeing it lift? Are you seeing um, possibility or are we still sort of hobbling along with that? Well, yeah, we've had some, um, we've had some advances yet some setbacks, the regional transit authority, we were trying to get all of the, um, the counties on board to, uh, sign on to have a comprehensive, um, public transit system that didn't happen. Right. Um, uh, we d we do have the queue line, you know, which is a step in the right direction. Yet um, at the same time, you know, we have the highest insurance rates um, yeah. in the country, which is is so um, ironic, isn't it? Us right. being the, right. the Motor City. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there are, you know, there with um, with ride sharing, the Ubers and the Lyfts make it a little bit more accessible. Sure. Um, there's now, you know, the Birds and the other. Um, what are those uh, scooter systems that sure. are now even showing up far into the neighborhoods, which is, which is kind of funny to see. Yeah. Although you can't really take those in the middle of winter. Right. Um, right. So I think, I, I think the opportunity that Detroit has, yes, we were the motor city, but I feel like we are so well positioned if we can get the leadership um, to become the mobility city and yeah. take, yeah. take the, um, take the lead on that away from Silicon Valley and some of the other places sure. that are, are working hard on um, 
disrupting transportation, I sure. think Detroit could lead that. So there is huge opportunity there. And we need to make sure that it is um, equitable and that we are thinking about how can we get, you know, the folks who have the biggest barriers um, access to transportation so they yeah. can get themselves out of poverty, frankly, and get to their jobs. They right. want to work. Well, but we have a system that makes it almost impossible to afford. I know transit. I will say the Q line, (laughs) I think it's, it's well uh, intentioned, but it's so limiting, you know, and it's, it's not in the areas where it's most needed. Um, So I'm really hopeful that down the road, we're going to see arteries, you know, sort of spread out so that um, the people who need the transportation are the ones who actually receive it. I, I just, I'm really hopeful that that starts to happen down the road. Um, so before we have to wind down, I do want to ask you, you know, for our listeners who might have a wonderful business idea, um, might have, you know, the daring that it takes to actually start out on their own path, what kind of advice do you have um, for them, you know, on, on sort of starting something new, um, innovating, evolving, finding that sense of purpose in the work that they do? What kind of advice do you have? Yeah, I would I would say... Um so build could be a great resource. If you, if you have an idea and you just don't know what to do next or how to get started, or you need a business plan or you need a a network, um, you know, taking a build class or attending a Detroit soup event, or we have, um, some great small business week events coming up. Um, I would also say, you know, do some soul searching, um, you know, listen to your internal voice, um, Mm -hmm. And let that guide you uh-huh. um, and and try to uh, focus, focus, focus uh-huh. is also really important and not listening to the noise. So it really is a balance of that getting out there and talking to people, yet being very mindful of staying focused and 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 ignoring the noise. Sure. So um, where can people find Build Institute? Oh, well, um, <laughs> we're just launching a brand new website this week. So okay. you can go to buildinstitute.org. And then we're on all of the major social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, etc. All right. Well, great. April Jones Boyle, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. I'm so inspired by all that you're doing to build up Detroit, um, literally and figuratively. And I hope you'll keep telling those stories so that more people are inspired to get in on the game. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate the opportunity to share what we do and would love to come back and do it again. Sounds great. Everybody listening, check out the Build Institute. Thanks so much, April. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, and I've really enjoyed being here with you today. You can find the Make Meaning Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And I'd love it if you'd share our great conversations with all your people so we can add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.